Does your writing feel more like spinning your wheels than making any actual progress towards your goals? Are you not even quite sure what your writing goals are? If that's you, you're not alone and you're in the right place. My name is Amy Simon, and this is the Purposeful Pen Podcast, where we uncover how to build a writing life that brings joy to us, glory to God, and benefit to others. This episode is part of a series called The Journey to Clarity. I've interviewed a variety of Christian writers who have a clear idea of who they write for and what exactly they have to offer that reader. Many times, as we're working through that process for ourselves, it seems like it should be a clear, straight path. Shouldn't we just know one day who we're writing for? Maybe you don't have a clear idea of who that reader is, you aren't sure how to get there, and you feel like you just must be doing it wrong. I want to assure you that you're not doing it wrong, it just isn't usually a straight, clear path. In these episodes, these writers share their own journeys of how they found that clarity. And in most cases, it didn't come as a lightning flash or an email from God. It was a winding process with detours along the way. So I hope these stories will encourage you. Okay, well, welcome to the Purposeful Pen Podcast. And this week, I am chatting with another friend of mine, Anna Rachel Bolch, about her reader and message and kind of how she figured out who that person is and what that message is. So welcome, Anna Rachel. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks. I'm so happy to be here. It's so fun. It's fun to get to talk about the writing aspect of work. I'm used to just talking about the faith part. And so this is really fun to kind of talk about creativity a little bit. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Well, I live in North Carolina with my husband of, gosh, nearly seven years. (laughs) Um, And I guess in my writing work, I like to say that I am dedicated to keeping life with God simple never shallow. So I've always loved writing and teaching. And now I use those skills to create approachable, meaningful resources for Christian spiritual formation. So anyone that sticks around in my internet space for a while will also find out that I love books and reading. I talk about that quite a bit. Um, I love to travel. I'm a true Carolina girl. I love pimento cheese and cheer wine and all the, all the Southern Carolina things. Um, so yeah, that's just a little, little taste of who I am. That's cool. I, I'm like, I don't know that I even know what cheer wine is. I've <laughs> had cheer mul- wine? multiple people in the last week or two have said the same thing to me of, wait, what is that word? What is that? It's a, it's a cherry soda. And so it's similar to Dr. Pepper, but it's more cherry. And so it's, originated in North Carolina. And so you can find it at a few different restaurants, even like some of our fast food restaurants will carry it. Um, So you can find it in North Carolina, South Carolina, a few places in Georgia will carry it. Maybe a few places in Virginia might carry it. I'm not sure. But I mean, even in, I lived in Georgia for a little bit and even there, it was really hit or miss whether you could find it. So it's a very niche niche (laughs) local thing (laughs) well I've learned something new so it has nothing to do with wine nothing to do with wine nothing to do with it's just all cheer it's all cherry it's all (laughs) that's it (laughs) 
Okay. I I'm had to ask. Sure. There's nothing to do with anything. I'm yeah. Just like, I don't know where the name came that? from at all, but it's very, very heavy on the cherry flavor. So it's okay. Fun. Well, I've learned something. <laughs> there you go. Different <laughs> that I wasn't planning on learning. <laughs> um, so I, I love that you mentioned that your, um, your, your relationship with God to be simple. What did mm-hmm. you say? Simple, but not shallow. That's what it was. You really yeah. want it to be simple, but not shallow. I, that's such a great distinction. I just have to Thank say. You. Thank um, you. And it's obviously something you've thought through and processed through about. So, um, so then even more specifically, then who is it that you write for and how do you offer that message to them? Yeah. Well, I've, I know we'll talk about how I kind of came to this. So in general, who I've kind of landed on as my ideal reader is a young Christian woman who may be struggling to connect with God in their everyday life. They probably go to church. They probably grew up in church. They're probably super involved in church still, um, but they don't know how faith, the faith that they've been taught their whole life, how it intersects with their job or their hobbies or their relationships or their chores, their normal kind of everyday task. They probably feel a pressure to perform their faith a lot. They consider themselves a perfectionist, um, me too. And so I'm here to tell them that they can have a spirit of practice instead of perfection in their faith. So they, like I said, they probably grew up in a faith tradition, but it probably wasn't one that used the term spiritual formation. So I spent a lot of time speaking to kind of that person that has a faith background, but may not have been taught about spiritual practices or liturgy or the church calendar or church tradition, which actually I think has a lot to do with practicing faith in our everyday life. Um, So I've kind of made it my goal to explain those concepts simply, which is kind of where the simple comes from in that phrase, explain the concept simply, but maintain the depth and the richness of faith. That makes sense. That makes sense. (laughs) I'm curious about the liturgy piece, because especially when we talk about, okay, who is our reader? Um, Some Christians have grown up in a liturgical church background um, and understand what that means and what that looks like. And um, others probably don't even know what that word means, like come from much more like a contemporary or a non-liturgical background. Are you wanting to speak to one or the other particularly, you know, I mean, I think I find the topic fascinating. Personally, I did not grow up in a liturgical background, but I can definitely see how one, there could be pitfalls in a liturgical background that, you know, sometimes we get lost in the things that are supposed to be symbolic and lead us into a deeper relationship with Christ. We can see those things as the end to themselves mm-hmm. and it becomes legalism, the totally. performance memory you're talking yeah. about. But then on the other side, when we throw that completely out the window, what we're probably kind of missing some things that yeah. could be really beneficial. So I'm just curious, what do you do with the whole liturgy piece? Because some people are going to hear that and be like, oh no, that's not me. Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, I think the person that I'm really writing to definitely comes from a background that doesn't 
experienced lit has never doesn't maybe doesn't even know the word liturgy that wasn't part of how they grew up because that's how I was I think a lot of people say you're kind of writing to a younger version of yourself a lot of times and I think that's probably true of me too um and so I'm usually writing for that person and so I may take the approach of how can I make this beginner friendly um how do I you know easily explain this without it being dumbed down in any way so that the person who maybe does come from a liturgical background or maybe is just beginning to explore this that's what I found a lot of my readers are is they didn't grow up with in a tradition that used a lot of liturgy but they're coming to that now maybe a little bit later in their life or you know a few years later as they're growing up and they're finding um, some meaning in that and so I think that's kind of where I land is towing that line. And I think too, I thought that was interesting you bringing up that, um, you know, for people who maybe did grow up in a very liturgical setting, that it can feel performative. And so I think for me, I'm always trying to come back to how can I ha we have a spirit of practice over perfection? How can we not make this a performative piece? And even recently too, I've said a few different places that sometimes going through the motions, which can feel very performative, that sometimes that's probably okay. And that our our feelings will, will often follow that <laughs> performance a little bit, um, but it may be just um, something to reflect upon, maybe some discernment of our own hearts rather than, um, yeah, rather than just going going along with the motions just, just for fun. It's a, it's, maybe your circumstances are uh, leading you to um, to really struggle in, in faith and struggle with performance. And so I think there's just some discernment in that. But as far as who I'm writing to, yeah, it's probably a person who doesn't have much experience with liturgy at all and is maybe looking for how can this be meaningful in my life, whether they've grown up knowing about it or grown up not knowing about it. How do we find meaning in this? Gotcha. That makes sense. And just for listeners today, if if you've never heard of that term liturgy and you're in that category, I have no idea what you're talking about. How would you define liturgy? Like what specifically are I have my own concept in my head, but I'm yeah. curious what how you would define that? Mm, that's a really good question. I I don't know that I've landed on a really good definition for myself. I tend to think of examples of liturgy. So things like a call and response. In, in maybe a church service where, you know, the a pastor or a leader or whoever is, you know, doing, leading the call and response, the leader is saying words, the congregation is saying words back. I think of that as, as liturgy. I think of um, shared blessings. Maybe they're, um, you know, they're probably scriptural based, but they may be from early church fathers. I think of um, those repetitive kind of blessings. I think of the, um, the Nicene Creed, I think of the Nicene Creed, I think of the Apostles' Creed as well. I think of those as being very liturgical pieces. Um, that's how I, I tend to think of it is kind of in terms of examples rather than, and how do I define this? That's something I'll need to, I'm going to think about to work on. Sure. Yeah. Well, and I think when I think about it too, I think it's sort of like this external structure that we yeah. put onto our worship um and such as examples like that and such so 
Uh, many times our reader is ourselves. We write to the things that we have experienced, we have grown in, we kind of needed maybe a few years ago. Um, how has that been your story? How did you end up getting here to this is who you're writing for? These are the things that you're um, writing about. Yeah. Well, I think as far as ideal reader goes, that's the part that I think I've kind of grown the most in. Um, I definitely did start out really writing to myself from a few years ago um, and thinking, okay, what was it I needed to hear when I was in college? When, what did I need to hear when I was just out of college? What did I need to hear when I first got married? <laughs> what, what were those things I needed to hear about faith then? Um, but then I, I really... I felt like I didn't always need to be writing a letter to myself in every single post. I felt like, you know, that I need to say for my journal <laughs> where I can be really, really vulnerable um, and very transparent and very open. And that's not always, um, that may not always be the safest or best thing to do in a public writing setting <laughs> where you're putting this on the internet, you're trying to help a reader. Um, it could start to feel like I was just helping myself <laughs> and which is not a bad thing, but, um, but not quite where I wanted to be. And so then I really started thinking about specific people in my life. I started thinking about the girls I grew up with in church, um, and who now have careers or spouses or children. And, and I kind of put their faces there. Um, and then I think I realized somewhere along the way, way that those girls who I know and love, I still do think about them. And there are certain pieces that I really like picture them as I'm writing. Um, but I realized that they're, they're not necessarily who I can always go to when I have a question about like, Hey, what format do you like, um, that I may not know their life as well now as I used to, as I did when maybe we were in high school or something. And so and that's not quite who my age group is anymore. Um, and so now really, I think mostly about my sister. <laughs> she is a few years younger than me. She's like six years younger than me. And so it's a pretty like decent age gap for siblings, but for ideal reader, that kind of makes sense. Just about <laughs> um, right. Yeah, it's just about right. And so when I think about who I'm writing to, it's often her because, I mean, we grew up in the same house, grew up in the same tradition, the same church tradition. Um, she's married. She's like starting her career, all of those things. And so when I think about who I'm writing for, I think about her. And I think about her when I'm considering a new format or a new product that I want to offer. And it's convenient because I can actually ask her <laughs> and I could say, hey, do you use this email service provider? <laughs> Have you ever heard of them? Do you use Substack? <laughs> do you watch YouTube videos? Do you, you know, do you down, do you buy courses? Do you do these things? And so I, I try not to bug her too much about it, but um, <laughs> I am able to at least have someone that. I can really picture what I'm using. Like I said, it's not always, it's not always her, but it's mostly, it's mostly picturing her. I love it. That's great. <laughs> and I, I find it interesting that you started off seeing yourself yeah. as that reader, but then that almost was too personal. Yeah. And, and so you actually broadened it from there. It's still a very specific person, but there's kind of that degree of separation yeah. Um, 
I think too, it's, I'm just now kind of realizing this too. I realized that the person I was writing to didn't have the same, maybe exact same goals as I did. Because I always knew I loved writing. I love teaching. I won't, I went to college to be some type of minister. Um, I mean, I, that was my path. I always knew that that was what I wanted to do. Whereas my ideal reader I've learned is not a minister, <laughs> like does not want to be a minister, does not want to be a writer, does not want to be a teacher in terms of a like Christian teaching setting but they maybe are an accountant or work in finance, or they might even be a creative. They might be a photographer. They might be something like that, but they have maybe no desire to be in ministry. They're not the person that's going to go to seminary like I did. And so how do I communicate with someone who is not going to go to seminary about things that I did learn in seminary? <laughs> So I think that also helps to know that, okay, I'm not writing to myself from a few years ago who was going into ministry, who was going to seminary, who was doing all these things. Now I have another person who I know who really is having a different career path than one I chose. Um, so that I think helps too. Yeah, it totally makes sense. And I think it's wise to make that distinction that you learned all these things or probably topics that were important to you that you learned and yet you're finding ways to apply them to <laughs> your everyday human. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> your everyday Christian, like not yes. the, the professional Christian. Yeah. Um, <laughs> not the ones who have commentaries lined up on their bookshelves, not them. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's great. So does your sister realize that she's has this role? In your I don't know. <laughs> she may find out now. <laughs> I'm not sure. She knows that I ask her questions every once in a while, uh, but I don't think she realizes like that I'm mostly picturing her. <laughs> oh, funny. <laughs> so we'll see. <laughs> this may be it. This may be the moment. <laughs> oh, very funny. Yes. <laughs> so how did you, how did you end up starting writing? Sure. Of that. Sure. Well, as far as more professionally, um, I posted my first blog post in 2010 <laughs> and which it's about to age myself as well as make your listeners feel some sort of way about their own age because <laughs> I was a freshman in college. <laughs> and so um, that was when I posted my first blog post. I wrote maybe once or twice a month there. It was on Blogspot, if anyone remembers that. Um, yes. I never tried to grow it. I didn't have a main purpose or a point to it other than sharing just my own reflections related to faith. It was always related to faith, but except for one post where I wrote about fast food and that was it. <laughs> I, wrote, I wrote a random one about fast food and the rest of them were all about faith. <laughs> um, but then, uh, so I wrote there for about four years, kind of on and off. I think my readership grew to about 12 people consistently. And, um, my, but then I decided I wanted to go to graduate school, um, go to seminary, go to divinity school and earn my master's. And so I stopped writing for a little while. I didn't really intend to stop necessarily, but I think it was that I found in those classes, I was writing much more reflectively in divinity school than I was even in my undergraduate degree. Those were more research type papers and things like that. Whereas divinity school, 
there was research papers, but there were also a lot of very reflective. It was very, my school was very spiritual formation based. And so we did a lot of personal reflection type of essays. Um, so it felt more like the writing that I was kind of had already been doing on a blog. And so I think I just stopped writing on a blog. But then about a year or two after graduating with my master's, maybe around 2017, I just kept feeling this pull back to writing. Um, so I opened up my old blog spot <laughs> blog, which then by that point, I think they had decided Blogspot would go away and it would just be under WordPress instead. And so I opened it up and everything was different. That was fun. So I just I opened it up and just wrote periodically there for a couple of years. But then I, in January of 2019, I mean, I vividly remember having the conversation with my husband and just telling him, oh, this is, this writing thing is something I have to do. If I don't do this, I will not be fulfilled <laughs> in my life. Um, call it a calling, call it, you know, whatever it, it was for me, I had to do it. And I just, I knew at that point, I don't want to get to my 30th birthday without giving it a real shot, without really trying, without really being consistent, without trying to grow and trying to figure this out. So I did. <laughs> so I did. So I figured I, I'm figuring it out still, <laughs> but I haven't stopped. So that's kind of where we ended up today. Excellent. Excellent. So how did you, we talked a little bit about how you narrowed down who your reader is yeah. and what you talk about. How did you get to, how did you figure out that this spiritual formation topic is what you wanted to write about? Yeah. Well, first thing I did was actually make a list of subject matters. I mean, at first on the first kind of iteration of a blog post or blog spot, <laughs> it was whatever I thought about. And it was just, it just happened to always be related to faith because I, that was what I was passionate about learning about. That's what I was in school for all those things. Um, but then when I got really serious in around 2019, I, I, literally wrote out in a notebook different subject matters that I thought sounded interesting to me. So it included everything from spiritual formation where I landed, but it also included travel. It included travel stuff. It included books. It included um, Bible study type um, work. It included a whole variety of things. And so I just kind of set with those subjects for a little bit. Some of them didn't take me long to narrow out, but still some of them I kind of sat with for maybe a week and just thought, okay, what could I write about forever? Or what could I write about for the next five years? What could I write about for the next 10 years? And when I was in, um, in college, like I said, my school, which I went to the same school for both undergraduate and for my master's, but my school in general was very spiritual formation based. Um, a lot of my professors, that's was something they were passionate about. And so they were reading Richard Foster and Dallas Willard and James Bryan Smith. They were reading those authors. And so that was kind of embedded in me. And it was something that I had not heard before in church. And so I just had the experience of oh, this makes the most, this has made the most impact on my personal faith. And I think that if other people learned this, it would make the biggest impact on their faith too. That I just kept thinking, 
gosh, if only I had known this, or if only the people I was in church with knew this too, what a difference it would make in their life. And so I kept thinking of that. (laughs) I just, I had such an experience with that, that I knew that was something I could talk about forever, even though I'm good at leading Bible study. I'm good at talking about books or travel or whatever, but that was something I just felt passionate about. So I kind of asked a couple of different questions to myself to kind of land on it. I asked, of course, what can I talk about forever? What was it? I wish I knew a few years ago. And I asked, what am I good at? (laughs) And so when it came, we talked about, you know, what I wish I knew a few years ago, you know, that life with God doesn't have to be complicated. I can practice my life with God. We can take complex concepts and understand them and we can learn how to practice instead of um, feel like everything has to be perfect or we have to perform. Um, But then when I thought about, okay, what am I good at? I went back and looked through old college and graduate school papers to see what my professors had written about my writing. Like what comments were they leaving to me about my own writing to help me see what am I good at? And so I kind of found, okay, I'm good at teaching. I'm good at asking curious questions. And then of course I have some credibility with my degrees and stuff, but then I'm good at also taking complex concepts and making them easy to understand. And so that that question especially helped me determine the tone of my message um, that, okay, that means I'm not writing very flowery. I'm always going to keep it clear and to the point. It can still be good writing, but it needs to always be clear and simple. Um, and so, and then of course the asking who I'm writing for too, um, kind of made a difference with the, with the tone of it and the age group, what references I'm going to make, <laughs> like if it's going to be a pop culture reference, it needs to be for kind of this age group, that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, I just asked some good kind of leading questions and was willing to say, okay, what, what do I think I could write about for the long call, but also what do I know could grow with me? Um, because like my goal was, I want to give this a real shot before I turn 30. (laughs) I knew, okay, if I want to do this for, you know, 30 plus years, then what can grow alongside me? What's something that I probably am not going to get tired of. I may change my subject in different ways. I kind of hope I do because we all grow and change, but what is it that I think I can sort of stay within this realm for the long haul? I love that. And I, I love that you started with a, just a big broad list, like, okay, anything's game, travel, anything. whatever, anything, anything yeah. that is possibly within the realm of possibility. And, and then I, I love those questions. The, um, what was it that I wish I knew a few years ago? Yeah. What am I good at? And what can I write about? forever. Yeah. What can I write about forever? Yeah. Because <laughs> I mean, most of us have multiple different interests, oh, right? Yeah. And, you know, you can enjoy traveling, but can you write about traveling forever? Is that something yeah. that you're passionate about? Yeah. Um, it doesn't mean it has to get written off list and you never mention right. going on a trip. I'm sure it makes for some great spiritual analogies or something yeah. somewhere along the line, you know, it, it totally. can make its way in there. Totally. But you found the thing that you can write about forever that can grow with you. That's a great way of looking at it too, because um, 
yeah, like we can brainstorm, okay, in this umbrella of spiritual formation, like these are the 20 different topics I can come up with that I can write about, but you know that you're going to keep growing and learning along the way and be able to add to those. And um, so, yeah, that totally makes sense. Totally makes sense. And keeping that reader in mind, like you said, you're, you're writing to teach mm-hmm. and you're trying to keep things um I want to say on the lower shelf, like easy to easily yeah. accessible and yes. not all flowery and complicated. Cause that's the point It's just, exactly. this doesn't have to be complicated. So exactly. very neat. Um, so how have you found it helpful in your writing to know, I mean, you sort of answered that right. question. How have you found it helpful to know exactly who you're writing for and what you're offering them besides the, like you said, watch your pop culture references they have right. to, you know fit within those you know your language needs to be right um but how else has that been helpful yeah well i think one one main way i've got a couple but the, one of the first ways is that it helps me choose a format it helps me figure out what format is going to make the most sense for my reader and my message um, that I'm not, I used to back in, back in 2019, even through, gosh, I would even say through like 2021, I felt like I was testing a lot of things out um, that I was, you know, I was, fig- I was just trying a few different ways consistently, but I knew that they were tests. I knew that they wouldn't necessarily be things I would stay with forever just to see what landed. But now I'm much more careful to consider how I can meet my reader in the time and space where they want to receive it. So whether that's, so right now it's looking like, spoiler alert, it's going to be YouTube because that's where the 25 to 35 year olds are hanging out. They're on YouTube. (laughs) And so um, they're there more than they're on Instagram, it seems. And so it really helps me know where to go, where to put this message Um, is, is just one of the main things. It also, I think in some kind of backwards way, it helps me know my own limits too, that I'm always considering this balance of what will be helpful for my reader, what will get the message across, and what am I capable of doing at this point in time in my life and in my season. Um, that because I know, okay, if I can't be consistent in sharing my message with my reader, then my message will never find my reader. So the consistency piece, I think actually, um, actually makes a big difference (laughs) or knowing who my reader is makes a difference in my ability to be consistent. Um, Because if I'm passionate enough about my ideal reader, then I'm going to make sure that I'm being consistent in what I can do. Oh, interesting. I won't find it. (laughs) Yeah. That totally makes sense. Because if you are, if you know exactly who that person is, and like you said, you're passionate about reaching them, that encourages you to be consistent. Um, And probably, I love that you experimented, that you tried different things. (laughs) You know, we have to do that, right? How else do we know? You can read the blogs about demographics and who, which people groups are where, but you really just, it is helpful just to try things and to know like, okay, if my people aren't on Instagram, why would I waste my time on Instagram? Because we all have a limited amount of time. So if they're on YouTube, well, there you go. 
Um, and so, so helpful to, to know that and to figure that out. And then, you know, where to be consistent. Um, it kind of helps me prioritize for sure. Whereas before I think I was willing to test a lot of things, I was saying yes to pretty much any opportunity that I was possibly given. And that was fine and good and, and helped in some ways, helped me maybe learn what to say no to Helped me learn to figure out what my audience was interested in, but Goodness, knowing knowing the ideal reader, knowing what format they're interested in, it helps me to say no so that I can be consistent for them. And consistently say yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's great. I love it. I love it. So where can people find you if they are curious about your writing and the things that you have to offer? Sure. Well, main two places are AnnaRachelBolch.com. It's my website. You can find everything I do there. Um, I am still on Instagram, even though I said my, my person may not be on Instagram quite as much. Um, but I am still on Instagram Anna, at AnnaRachelBolch. Um, you can find links to my email list, either of those places. That's the people that I'm talking to the most. Um, they get the most stuff they get the most consistent stuff. (laughs) Um, To me, they get the most fun stuff too. They get like, you know, random free things and they get, they just get the best. They get the best of me there. So you can find those links there, but then just, yeah, there are other fun, there are going to be other fun ways to connect with me in the future that I have teased out slightly in this conversation. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so stay tuned folks stay tuned. yeah more fun things to hear about <laughs> yes yes awesome so thanks so much for your time i really appreciate it fun hearing about your message and how you got there and who you're writing for and um so yeah i will put all the links in the show notes so you can find anna rachel but thanks so much for being here thank you so much for having me this was a blast Thank you so much for listening. I hope you found it helpful in your writing journey. Please take a look at the show notes for links and resources that were mentioned in the episode. I would love to continue the conversation with you on Instagram. You can follow me there at Amy Simon Writer. If you enjoyed this episode, I would love to hear about it. And you can help the podcast grow by subscribing and sharing it with others who might benefit as well. May you build a writing life that brings joy to you, glory to God, and benefit to others.